Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my super special guest, back for her second edition, her third episode, by the way, all the way from Geneva Financial, top producing loan officer, Christy Service Naruzi. Well done. Hey, yes. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you. I got the Naruzi in for your husband. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, service is your maiden name. Um, now Christy, my middle name. Yeah, now your middle name. Yep. Um, some people know you as Credit Christy, yep. right? If I searched online for Credit Christy, I could find you, right? You could. Yeah, you have a YouTube channel? I do. I have a YouTube channel and a podcast. Okay, what are those? Uh, Credit Christy is, uh, is the YouTube, and then the podcast is Credit Coaching by Christy. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And I was thinking, because you are a top producing loan officer with this, like, knack for knowing credit, I came up with this, like, really creative title for today's show. I was Stop like, it. ooh, what if we could do no credit, no success, K-N-O-W, like, know it, Man, you're but then no credit no success. Like, hey, you ain't got no credit. You're going to have a hard time being successful. That's right. Yeah. yeah that's so that's kind of catchy, right? That's brilliant. Do, yeah. It really is. Does that work yeah. for you? It's awesome. Thank okay, you. Okay. So we're going to go with that. <laughs> okay. Um, but I love to like preface who is is on the show with me. Great. I like to use numbers because numbers don't lie. Oh. So let's talk about some numbers real quick for those that are tuning in. Okay. What was your production last year, Christy? Forty million. Forty freaking million dollars, <laughs> right? Wow. It was a good year. Yep. Uh, you aged by how many years? Five. Okay, so you aged by five. You did forty, <laughs> and there's approximately how many units? Uh, about one fifty. Okay, so when you talk, you are a person of authority, in my opinion, right? Someone who closes that many units for that much volume kind of knows what they're doing. So anyone tuning into the show, whether you're tuning in because you're hoping to pick up some personal credit tips so that you can be successful in life. This lady knows what the heck she's doing, or you're a fellow mortgage professional and you're tuning in. I don't care if you're a 20-year veteran or if you've been in the business for two weeks. Look, she closed 150 loans. That's 150 families that she helped for $40 million. And I love to preface this because last year was a banner year. It was a huge refi year. And yes. not that we don't get paid on refis, because by the way, you do get paid on refis, right? I sure do. Yes. But we try to coach and teach loan officers to focus on what? Purchases. Purchase. Okay, so what was your refi purchase mix last year? I wish I had looked at that number before I came here today. I want to say it's somewhere around 75, 25 purchase. Yes, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So like you actually probably left some refis on the table. I did. You could have done 48 million. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Instead of 15 hour days, it would have been 18 hour yeah. days. Yes, you know, that, that's always the trouble with a year like last year is if you don't have your team in place yeah. and they're tuned up and ready to go, you sometimes can't hire fast enough. Yeah. It's true. Um, and I'm sure you, like many others, kind of got caught with that. Like, man, I actually could have done more. Yes. But I wasn't going to walk away from my purchase business or my realtors because that's my bread and butter. That's my relationships. That's my heart. Yeah. Well, those people are going to refer Credit Christie. Yes. Whether rates are 2% or 12%. Correct. Because they're yeah. going to buy houses whether rates are 2% or 12%. Yes. All right. So we have like a thousand different um, uh, rabbit holes or avenues that we can we can shoot down. Okay. If it's, if it's okay with you, I kind of want to hit a bunch of them. Let's do it. Um, let's start with this because you and I were talking about this off camera. Yes. And I think it's really cool when we're getting to know Christina Ruzzi. Um, Share with me a little bit. You were doing your taxes. Yes. I love this story. Yes. Because you've been a mega producing loan officer for approximately how many years? 
I would only I would only say I've been producing at at where I want to be for just the last couple of years. Yeah. So I started back in the business in 2016. So for, for all intents and purposes, you were what I call a B backer. Yes. Like you were like one step above a rookie. Yes. Like you didn't have you didn't have a book of business. No. You 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 were starting over, although you might have had some experience. Well, and and some being the key word. I started in 2003 in a whole different area of the state. Um, I got out of originating in 2008 when underwriters would not put their names on an approval letter. Mortgage insurance companies were like, Florida, yeah. we're out, right? And that was my market was first-time homebuyers. And so on that note, um, I shifted over and became a short sale negotiator. So I got out of the business for years. Then I moved to Central Florida and I said, I am missing this piece of my heart. And so I came back into the business in 2016. So my husband and I were going through our, you know, that, that magic box of like, this looks important. I should put that here. Yes. Right. So yeah. I grabbed that box and we started getting, um, all of our stuff put together so we can finally get around procrastinator to, uh, to getting our taxes to to our accountant. What are taxes due this year? Did we get to, till May or they do again? In May 17th. May 17th. Yes. It's usually April 15th, right? It is. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why they pushed it back, but I'll take COVID. it. COVID. <laughs> Everything's because of COVID. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I go to my favorite yeah. restaurant. They don't have my favorite thing. Oh, it's because of COVID. Like, what does, what? Um, I couldn't get a rental car yesterday because of COVID. Come on. Yeah, like I took my car to the shop because I had a, a hose leaking and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, just drop me off at the local rental car place. And I walk in, they're like, do you have a reservation? I'm like, no, I just need a car for a couple of days. So like, uh, yeah, no, we don't. I was like, oh, and then Uber is taking forever to come pick me up. But I digress. Talk about that box because so, it's a really yep, cool story. Yep. So I'm, I'm pulling through some things and I, I find uh, prior year tax returns and I'm like, ooh, this is going to be fun. So I went back to 2016 because that's the year that I had started. And between the two of us, we made 60 something thousand dollars. Combined income. Yes. And my husband worked at a bank. Like he's a W-2 wage earner. So, Take that on for a second. Yeah. So so that means your I made twenty something thousand yeah. dollars in my first year. Yeah. So you you made 14, 15 times that last year. That's a cool journey. And it's great, um it's a great perspective for anyone who is who is either getting started in the business yes. or maybe they've been in three, four, five years. Heck, maybe they've been in ten years. And they haven't achieved that success of 150 units and 40 million. Like it's all attainable. Like Christie started in 2016, and by 2020, yeah, had had gone from making somewhere in the 20,000s. Where I'm just gonna do rough math. You don't have to tell me what your W2 was. I'm guessing just you're more. Yeah. Well, how about this? <laughs> I'm guessing your comp plan was somewhere 100 basis points or greater. Yes. So if it was at least 100 basis points, guys and girls, that's 400 grand. If it was 125 basis points, guys and girls, that's 500 grand. So just know from 20 to 25,000 to somewhere between 400 and $500,000 in four years, four years time. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Yep. I can't wait to learn from you today. Aww. I cannot wait to learn from you. So because now that I've realized that you're for the most part, pretty new in this industry, like new from a top producing loan officer back in the game, yep. newish. Yep. Uh, you have like a Barry Bonds asterisk next to your newness, right? Like, um, what would you tell someone who was sitting in your shoes just four years ago, right? You're like, Hey, you're going to go down this journey. Your first 12 months, make sure you do X 
but also make sure you stay away from why. One of our listeners hit us up on YouTube, which by the way, guys and girls, if you're tuning in for the first time because Christy is a friend of yours, you can follow this show, The Loan Officer Podcast. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcast. We are on YouTube at The Loan Officer Podcast. We are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at The Loan Officer Podcast. And I'm Dustin Owen. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. All right, now that we got that out of the way, um, so one of our viewers said, hey, you always ask people what to do. How about you ask someone what not to do? Mm. Like, what's one thing you 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 would never do again, or you would tell people to stay away from? So, if you can think of that, great. But I do know you have a couple tips and tricks and tactics you could yes. share with people. Like, hey, guys and girls listening, if you're newer in the business, or you're coaching people, or you're mentoring people, or managing people who are newer newer in the business, do this. What is this? So, my first year, right, wrong, or indifferent, this is what I did. Three things. I got involved with a couple of key networking groups. So we'll talk about that in just a second. I studied and learned my guidelines because I'm only as good as the knowledge I have, right? And um, I called on potential referral people. So I constantly asked for introductions to somebody that I would jive with personality-wise. And who'd you ask that of? Uh, so I really relied heavily on my networking group. So okay. I would start there. I would try to find some some place that you got to find your people. Mm -hmm. And so in my first year, I uh, found a BNI chapter. So it's Business Network International. Um, the challenging thing with the BNI group is that they only allow one of each person in an industry. So I had to literally sit there and like stalk the um, membership groups, you know, to find out when somebody fell out so I could insert myself. So you were, as a lender, you were waiting for another lender to, to uh, not renew. Right. And you were going to slide in or at least interview to slide in and be the lender in that BNI group. Yes. Okay. And hopefully I sold myself well enough that they said, oh yeah, she'll be a good referrer. Okay. Right? But here I was really first year in my business and I didn't have a whole lot to give, but I, I got them to accept me anyway. Perfect. So now my referral group gets to know me, like me, and trust me. And so they're introducing me to anybody. And so I've got to do a good job of telling them who to look for. Like my specialty, my heart is I love first-time home buyers because I'm going to take that additional time with them. I'm going to do this if this is okay. Yeah. My my hair won't let it. No, nope, it uh. won't. Okay. Better. Okay. <laughs> it just it like looks it was, great. It just felt like it was slipping off my head. Oh. Um, so uh, I would ask for first-time homebuyers, but I, you can't just say, hey, I'm looking for first-time homebuyers because that, they, people don't say, hey, I'm going to be a first-time homebuyer. They're usually the ones getting the puppy or they're having the baby, you know, or you've gone to their home and they're renting an apartment. And so you start, you, you start giving them those little cues to drop on your behalf so that way the introduction can be made. Okay. So B&I taught me how to teach other people how to refer for me. Um, I found a couple of other groups where I could just uh, create some friendships. Uh, so as part of a group called Athena, which is all for women, it's a class of, um, gosh, I can't remember exactly how many people, 50 something people were allowed into this group when we met every month. And it's up to me to create those friendships, right? Just showing up doesn't automatically create a relationship. I need to, to to take it to the next level and say, hey, let's go and have a cup of coffee, let's have lunch. Um, and from there, I was able to create some relationships, family law attorney, estate planning attorney, a CPA, wow. all really amazing referral partners. And so what I've learned is if I can bring business to them, what does somebody want to do? They want to reciprocate, 
right? Because they're like, well, you're helping me with my business. I want to help you with your business. And so if I can help uncover opportunities from my clients or uh, even another networking group, sometimes it's not introducing them to their next client. Sometimes it's introducing them to somebody who can be a constant referrer, right? That makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you are putting people first. Yes. Put, yes. And and, I and love- only your people, only the people that you felt like shared commonality with you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I so was, no cold calling. I haven't, I haven't heard any cold calling yet. Okay. I, I'm not good at cold calling. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> First off, I sound a little bit like a, a valley girl. So if you were to answer yeah. the phone, be like, um, hey, uh, 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 and you would hang up on me before okay. I got any words out. So yeah. it was all uh, something that taught me uh, early in my career that is, is based on the triangle of trust. So even if you didn't introduce me, if you gave me permission to name drop, so I could call and I could say, hey, John, um, our mutual friend Dustin had introduced us. Do you have just a few minutes for us to speak? Yes, of course. That, that yeah. lands well because. Well, yeah, at a minimum, because I don't want to sound like an ass if, you know, John's my boy and right. I didn't take your phone call. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. What was the third? The third? You said uh, there's three? Yeah. So, so BNI, Athena. Yeah. So, well, so, so networking groups just in, in okay. general. Yeah. So, networking groups, learning your guidelines. Um, I can't tell you how important this is. And um, in my first year, I, I knew what I wanted to focus on and I, kn- I knew what I didn't. VA really scared me. So, when I was a loan officer, the first go around, the 2003 to 2008, I never did a government loan in my life. Yeah, and, and that was pretty common, by the way. Yeah, like, and, and the, were, were yeah, present, right? Yeah. Like B paper was there, um, alternative loans. I did a whole lot of stated income, stated assets, 100%. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so so I, I feel like um, if you get really good at one thing, start there. Then you can start to expand. But uh, it was really important for me to know everything I could. How did you learn your guidelines? I literally opened up the the Fannie Mae and then the FHA handbook. Like I literally opened it up and I thought, okay, well, what do I need to know about when somebody's going through a divorce, right? So now I'm part of a divorce professional group. So there's some attorneys and counselors and realtors in this group, right? So part of what I need to do is help them know that if they refer somebody to me where they need to refinance off the ex-spouse or they're selling the home and they're gonna move forward and buy a different property, I need for them to know I'm an expert in those guidelines. So one of the things that I'll share with them is, hey, did you know that you have to have six months of alimony or child support and prove that you're gonna be able to receive it for the next three years before you can use that for qualification. And do you know how many attorneys go, no? No. Yeah. <laughs> so I say, okay, listen, when you're starting to put together the case plan and, and the, the divorce decree, if alimony or child support is gonna be part of that, um, I've had them where they've changed it, where it was just gonna be a large buyout and they were going to be able to use that as their down payment to having a structured pay plan. So that you can Start use it receiving for it now, so now I can use it for income. Ah. If somebody didn't tell them that ahead of time, and a judge goes and signs that divorce decree, wow. do you know what it takes? Mind like, it's blown. It's like unearthing you know, the, the, the earth in order to yeah. uh, change emotion. So when I can share those things with them ahead of time, they go, well, gosh, Christy's the expert in this one thing. So um, here's something a, a new loan officer may not know. If, it's, if a refinance is happening for the purpose of an equity buyout, okay, because of a divorce, it's not treated as a cash out refinance. In pricing on the rate 
or the guidelines. So you know a cash out we're capped right now 80% yes. and a rate term we're, ca we're capped at 90%. We could actually go up to 90% of the value if it's for the purpose of an equity And buyout. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So this is obviously conventional financing. Yes. So yep. we're not talking about VA, FHA, or USD. Right. We're talking about conventional. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to have the LLPA hit that I have on a cash out refi. There it is. That so, is like that. Like I'm listening to you talk. I'm like, wow. As a almost 20 year veteran in this industry, and my mind is blown. I'm like, that's super impressive. Something I do want to tie down for those listening. Yes. Um, Google. Okay. Christy mentioned that she she opened up the FHA handbook or the VA handbook, or she went uh, on Fannie Mae's website or looked at Fannie Mae's guides. You can start with Google. Yes. And Google will get you there. Yeah. Like it's not this like holy grail secret in a vault, you have to have the combination. No. no, that stuff is readily available. Now, you do have to learn how to do things like uh, is it control shift F for find, you yes, know, like, yeah. like, how do you search these super large documents? How do you know what chapter to go to? Like, that just takes practice and experience, right. start doing it. But I love that. So you on your own, I would guess nights and weekends would pick a subject and say, I want to study this subject, yes. probably because it correlated with the people that you were networking with. That's exactly right. So wherever you want to focus your energy, start learning everything about that one space. So if I knew I needed to uh, focus on first-time homebuyers, for example, um, I knew I needed to know everything about a 3% down, right? About the home possible and home ready. So um, if that's going to cater to them, I need to know what the overlays are. I need to know that, um, you know, right now it's required to have that home buyer education class. If I don't premise that with somebody at the very beginning, and then now we get these conditions and I'm like, okay, we're closing in two weeks. And by the way, you have to do this two hour online class. And then they're like, wait a second, I didn't know, you know? So just, just knowing all of those things and helping my clients be as prepared as possible because I know, you know, what's required. And I would guess that you are also lead generating during this time. What well, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> or you Which, starve. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it's one of those things that, that we just did a show on this where I have found those that, that fail. Like, look, ready? So someone asked on the YouTube comments earlier in the week, well, what shouldn't I do? Well, what you shouldn't do is you, you shouldn't listen to Christy and she says become an expert and learn, but also not lead generate. Like, you have to learn while also lead generating because most of us learn by doing anyhow. Yeah. Like I can read it all I want, but until I actually, like I just installed a ceiling fan in my son's bedroom. Okay. I can read those directions all I want, but until I actually get in there and I'm like, oh, that's what they mean by a J hook. And that's what they mean by this housing unit wired to that housing unit, unscrew these two screws, three quarters, but this one, hundred <laughs> percent. Like I need that practical hands-on experience to go with what the manual tells right. me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So exactly. I would find my experience is if someone's going to fail in this industry, it's because they focus all of their efforts on just learning programs, products, and guidelines mm -hmm. and not out there getting a lead. And you're like, no, 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 you have to network. Yep. Networking is going to lead to to lead to lead generation. Yes. At the same time, when you're not networking and you're not lead generating, you need to be studying. Yes. So yeah, so um, first thing in the morning with a cup of coffee, some people read the newspaper, some people read a magazine, or they're on Facebook scrolling to see what happened since last night. I was reading guidelines. So I would just focus on something. And then if I didn't understand it, I would dig deeper. Some companies have um, like support at underwriting, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
places that you can go to and ask an underwriter, I, I would go and say, hey, this isn't really clear to me. How would you interpret that? But be careful because it's that one underwriter's interpretation of that guideline. So every once in a while, there's um, some some gray matter, right? So so what one person says isn't always truth. There's some things that you yeah. can argue in the guidelines too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's their perception. It's how they understand it to be. Yes. And by the way, if you listen, Christy said do this first thing in the morning. Yeah. That's typically boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, everyone listening. That's like between 7.30 and 9 a.m. Before the phone starts ringing. That is not at 10, 10.30, 11. No. Don't, don't go seeking those people's help. Right. Because at that time, they need to be helping your borrowers yeah. get their loans closed. Yeah, exactly. But, but they're going to be more available to answer your questions uh, early first thing in the morning. Yes. And then anytime I was introduced to um, a potential referral source, especially a realtor, I would ask questions of them instead of me attacking them saying, I have this really great blah, 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 yeah. right? Because they're good. This loan program, these great rates, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. yeah. No wonder we're treated like a commodity by a lot of people. Uh, I approach it with, you know, how is your business? If you could change one thing or if you could add one thing to, to you know, change the trajectory of your business, what would that look like for you? Get them talking because people will tell you where their weak spots are or where their strengths are at. Um, it's just human nature to, you, if you've asked and you show like actual care about that question and you're here to listen, they'll tell you. And then so now you could say in your mind, like I can maybe uh, help fill that problem, right? So if you can come with a solution to that, um, one agent had told me, um, she works just in this one community, but there's nothing in the market for her buyers that match her buyers' uh, likes. And so I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, I can't create inventory, right? And I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to go door knocking and do her job or whatever, right? Like, you, you want to do some things for some people. By the way, you, you mentioned door knocking. Younger professionals, younger in your career, I will tell you. Did you? Go door knock for an hour or two. Think about this real quick. Okay. Your realtors need to door knock. You know it. I know it. It's how they get listings. Listings lead to buyers. We love buyers in the lending world. They hate to door knock. Yeah. Either it's a safety issue. It's a comfort issue. Okay. What if I came and door knocked with you? Oh, that would be exceptional. Okay. Yeah. I spend two hours with you. How much does door knocking cost me? How much does lunch cost me? No lunch. If oh. I took you to lunch. Oh, afterwards. Okay. No, 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 yeah. no. So this is my, my thought process. I could take Christy, the realtor, to lunch. I'm right. a loan officer. Yep. Lunch is going to cost me $25, $30. It's going to be two hours out of my day. It's 15 minutes to drive the restaurant. It's 15 minutes to drive back. It's yep. an hour and a half awesome meeting. But it cost me $25. Yes. What if I drove to a neighborhood, met my agent at the neighborhood. We walked the neighborhood together for an hour and a half. We knocked on doors. That was free. Mm -hmm. And I had quality time investing in my agent's success. Yes. Now, is this realistic for Christy in 2021, who's a top producer closing 15 units a month for, you know, 4 million a month? Probably not. But someone early on in their career oh, yeah. to be able to partner with a realtor early on in their career, because look, most top producing realtors no longer door knock. Right. But door knocking is something you have to do to pay your dues. You, you so have to. Yeah, you have it's, to it's just a, It's just a thought that I actually was covering this with a couple of rookie loan officers the other day when we were doing our coaching. Mm -hmm. And one guy's like, heck, yeah, I love that idea. Now, another person was like, eh, I don't know. It's not for everybody. But right. nonetheless, you mentioned it and just made my my uh, little bells and whistles went off in my head. I'm like, well, let me share this real yeah, quick. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really good idea, um, especially for the relationship building part. You're, you're taking valuable time out of your day 
to help support that realtor, that's that would probably go pretty far. But I do love what you said, and I got you off track, which you were talking about, you started reaching out to realtors. Yes. Usually those realtors were referred to you probably by someone in your BNI group or someone in, in the Athena yes. group. Yes. So through your network, you're asking these like-minded people for other like-minded people, yes. but now more specifically, hey, I want like-minded real estate agents yes. who sell real estate in my local market. But instead of you just showing up and vomiting about how awesome you are as a loan officer or what great rates you have or what great loan programs, you shut up and start asking them questions. I need to uncover the need so I can fill it. Because yeah. most people approach it as me, 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 me. Um, but if I could find out what is in your way of helping you get to your next level of success, then I can help you become successful then there's um, a potential for a partnership because every loan office or every realtor who is actually creating business and making money, they're going to have an exceptional loan officer at their side. So I, when we get to that part of the conversation, I never say like, I want to be your number one and I want to like kick Dustin out of there and put me in. Like I, I want to respect the relationship that that realtor has with that loan officer because they worked hard to get to that place. But what if that LO doesn't have a renovation loan program because that was my solution for that agent. I said, hey, um, we can't help create new inventory, right? But what if we could introduce your buyers to being comfortable with taking on a renovation loan? They could find the perfect home as far as the location, the size, the blueprint, and then we can help them envision a custom home. Um, I love this through, idea. Through the, through the renovation loan. Love, love, love it. Or this. You said we can't create inventory. Maybe we can. Mm -hmm. What if you have a great CP product, a great construction loan? Yeah. And you go to your realtor and say, look, you know, we have a great construction loan. Let's help Let's your on. buyers yeah. go out and create inventory. Realtors can get paid on the lot purchase. I, I don't know enough about custom home builders to know if custom home builders would pay a commission. My guess is they would. I think My so. guess is that if a realtor brought a custom builder, a buyer, yep that that custom builder. So there is possibly a way that you could find a solution, find sure. a way to yes, create inventory, whether it's through renovation lending or through CP lending. Yes. Man, yeah. mind blown. This is awesome. This is like, this is like a bonus. Like we almost went bonus episode <laughs> first and then we're going to roll into the credit aspect. Cause I think, you know, as a mortgage professional, you are, it's bestowed upon you to be a service advisor. Yes to everyday Americans, everyday citizens of our country, right? And it's like credit's a big piece of it. Huge. And what we're going to cover now, you as a loan officer should just know because it's going to be great tactics to become the best professional you can be. And it's going to actually help create uh, bigger numbers on your W-2 next year. And it's going to help you uh, service more families and close more units and increase your volume. But also what, what, what I want to cover, I want you to cover, I'll just ask the question. Sure. Uh, occasionally I'll interrupt and interject. I'll try to do that less than more. But you know, this is going to be information that, that you can share with your borrowers. Sometimes yes. having third-party third validation is huge. Like I use articles from Housing Wire all the time or something that Dave Stevens wrote about or Garth Graham at Stratmore was talking about. Not that I don't know the subject matter, but because it's third-party validation that I can say, hey, don't just take it from me, take it from these guys too. Right. How awesome is this? Like, like yes, Christy's a loan officer for Geneva Financial. I'm a loan officer at Waterstone Mortgage. We're friends. Like 
we we don't compete against each other. We don't wish each other any ill will. Yeah. It's no big deal if you t share something Christy says on this show with your borrower because your borrower is going to be using you because of you. Yes. Okay. So I also want to make sure that those tuning in and making it this far along in the episode, they're going to learn something about why understanding credit the way that you do will make them a better loan officer. Mm -hmm. But also, what are some tips and tricks that their borrowers, their consumers, home buyers should also know? Mm -hmm. So where do you want to start on that? Do you want to start with the loan officers and then we'll flip it to the consumer? Or do you want to start with the consumer and then flip it to the loan officer? Mm. I don't care. You don't care? I don't care. All right, let's start loan officers. Okay, so loan let's officers. Start, let's start with loan officers. Again, if you're a loan officer and all you know about credit is a pool credit, if it's a 620, I'm a go. If it's below a 620, I'm a no-go, unless it's maybe VA, FHA, USDA, at which point I can possibly go down to 680 or, or five, or yeah, I'm sorry, 600, 580, depending on your company, yeah. your bank, your overlays, et cetera. Yes. Like if that's all you know, there's a lot more to know. Yes. And there are some tips, some tricks, and some tactics. If you make yourself a bit of a credit expert, you can actually differentiate yourself. Yes. Let's talk about that. Okay. Okay, so what are some things that I think loan officers don't know enough about mm -hmm. that you want to make sure that if you are coaching a loan officer to come work for you at Geneva, yep. what are some things you'd be coaching them today to know about credit? Awesome. So um, I know my first year being a loan officer, I knew I knew just what you said. 620 or higher this way, 580 or higher, I can go this way. And, and there was really nothing else that I needed to know other than look under the uh, public remarks and make sure there's not a bankruptcy yeah. or foreclosure yeah. or short sale, you know, something along those lines. Um, so it's so much more than just the score. Uh, even if you start reading all of the information in the, in the guidelines um, about what an underwriter is actually looking for when it comes to credit, they're looking at money management and your attitude towards money and that credit history reflects that and unfortunately there's so many people out there that got into this habit of money mismanagement they're robbing peter to pay paul um well this got me as far as i could you know so i gotta create another strategy and then you know they're they're opening up new credit cards to move the balance over yeah. from i mean it's just it's just kind of a mess because we're not we're not we're not taught it in school yes. right yeah <laughs> um so uh, when I started really diving into it, credit is the foundation of everything. So the way I present it, um, either when I'm coaching a new loan officer or when I am uh, consulting with my clients is, this is important for just the mortgage, but it's so much deeper than that, right? If I can teach a mindset with credit and um, a new behavior with how to act with money, I can change that person's life. Yeah. And knowing that, so think about this. We have a better foothold on this person than even their financial advisor. A financial advisor, you go to somebody for the first time, you're like, hey, I have this $25,000 401k rollover. I'd like to contribute something every single month. What do I do? They're going to set you up with an IRA, you know, get you into that habit of like contributing. Auto. 50 bucks a paycheck, yeah. 100 bucks a month, whatever the case may be. Yep. And then you build it from there. But we have this space, this, this place in which we can just like blow it all up from the very beginning. We get to see everything about this person. Our clients are so exposed to us 
and they have to be so vulnerable with their information. So, um, so what does that look like if we can really unfold it and look at it? Don't treat it as a credit score, you got your Fannie Mae approved eligible, moving on to the next one. Really take some time if there's an opportunity to coach. Now you're gonna have somebody that has an 820 credit score and they don't wanna hear anything from you because they know it all, right? But if you're working with somebody who's uh, younger and not necessarily age-wise, just maturity-wise or, or relationship-wise with credit, take some time here. So what's really important is their attitude towards money. So are they, are they borrowing? Um, not excessively, right? Do they have 25 store credit cards? Maybe let them know that they don't necessarily have to do that. So Obviously, how, how many would you tell them they needed? Making changes after the loan application has closed. Yes, in your, in yeah, your of course. Home, yeah, right? yeah. Um, so personally, when I'm advising somebody, you want to have at least one bank-issued credit card and at least one installment loan. Okay. And, and because credit mix is, is um, a chunk of what makes up your credit profile. So um, I just pulled a loan out, um, a pre-qual for somebody yesterday. The only thing that's showing is his um, auto loan and a collection. You could probably imagine what his credit score was. So my um, my recommendation was to become an authorized user. We've talked about that be, uh, before. And if you don't know what an authorized user is, we really need to, to talk about that. Um, there's no hard inquiry. There's no additional debt to go into that DTI. Um, so we're not putting them into a financially um, unwise position, but we are mixing in uh, that credit card. And then we've also got some depth there. So hopefully there's years and years worth on that, that credit card. But um, some people feel like they should get a gold star if they have like, you know, 15 store credit cards and it doesn't really help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll see people with, you know, all of the stores. Like if you were to walk into the mall, they would have a credit card yeah. for every single Target, place. Yeah. Walmart, Macy's, Dillard's, JCPenney, Home Depot and Lowe's. I'm like, yeah. you go to both Home Depot and Lowe's? <laughs> like I like Home Depot. Um, <laughs> this brings me back to Home Depot because I worked there for years, you know, me so too. I like the orange. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, also black and, uh, black and orange, I almost call it black and yellow. Black and yellow is my college colors, actually black and gold UCF, but black nice. and orange is my kids' high school colors. Oh. Yeah, but I had no say in the coloration. John okay. Coleman did. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, we digress. Good job, uh, yeah, he liked the black and orange. <laughs> he had no idea that I worked at Home Depot. Yeah, yeah. Department uh, twenty one and twenty two, lumber and build. Oh, I was gonna say it, lumber yeah. and building materials. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's so crazy. yeah. Um, started as a lot engineer. Oh, that's um, awesome. I think everybody should start at a, a retail place or in hospitality, you know, being a server. Yes. It, it, will, it will form some really great um, requirements for how you t uh, talk to people and how you treat people for the rest of your life. So. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, Home Depot taught me I cannot point to anything. Mm, you walk. I have to open-handed no. <laughs> or walk them. It's either open-hand or I walk. Let yeah. me walk you down there. I used to hate it when they made me walk down to hardware, though, because uh, I don't know anything about, like, nuts and bolts and screws right. and tools. Um, and I was like, no, let's just talk about wood, because yeah. that's all they've taught me right now yeah. is about wood. Yes. Um, but uh, wh where do you work? Um, oh, I pretty much every department. So I, I rocked the paint department. Okay. Um, I was um, a, a cashier for a long time, returns desk, special services, and they had a lot of fun because Christy Service worked in special uh, services. So uh, yeah. that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I got to work the, um, the the phone center. Oh, I, uh, the PBX, yeah. Yeah, I, I tore up my ankle. Oh. And I was in a boot. So when I was in a boot. What I, else do you I do? Got, and I got, I got to put on a headset like this. I got to dispatch calls and yeah. I yeah. liked every part of that job except for one day I walked in and they're like, hey, we really need to beef up our um, Home Depot credit cards. Oh. 
Will you call? You oh my God! For a week, I had a cold call, like a thousand names. Isn't that fun? To ask them if they wanted to apply for Home Depot credit card. Mm. Yeah. Um, how do we get on this subject? Let's get back on credit, Christy. Come on now. <laughs> you are credit, Christy. And and we're talking to loan officers yeah. and you know things that loan officers need to know. Like yes, it's more than just what are my minimum FICOs in order to right. qualify. Yes. Right. It's like no, no, no. Minimum FICO to qualify, but how do you become an advocate for your consumer? How do you... That's where it's at, Dustin. Advocacy, right? Yes. Like, because, how do you become an advocate? Yeah. So so first off, when you take that time to, to teach and preach, um, your client's going to feel like you have their back, right? You're actually investing time into teaching them something that's really going to help them with everything in their life. So when they go to finance a car in the future, when they go to buy their next home, um, you know, when they want to go and buy an investment home, all of those things, uh, it, it's, it's going to have a positive of impact because you're teaching them behaviors and attitudes and you're also teaching them you know some guidelines um, debt utilization is huge when it comes to credit cards so if you see somebody that has a five thousand dollar limit on their discover card and they have forty seven hundred dollars on that share with them that if they could pay that down uh, below thirty percent their credit scores could really go up what if they could only uh, lower it to below fifty percent get there every little bit helps yeah every little bit helps a lot but your number's thirty my number is 30, and some some new information is actually saying like somewhere around 9 or 10% is going to maximize. Now, I have found, um, have you ever done the Wayfinder? A lot of the credit polls yes. that comes with the yep. Wayfinder. Sometimes you'll see like if you have a credit card with a zero balance and they say go put $10 on it, like, why do I need to have this small balance? It, it's a difference maker. So sometimes just having a small uh, amount utilized versus zero yeah. will help you. So it increases the the date of last activity. It's showing, oh, look, I'm a good steward of my money. I'm borrowing it and paying it back. Well, I almost think like having a credit card that I haven't used in four or five months is like having a boat in my driveway that I've never put in the water. Yeah. Like, is that really a boat? Does it really float? Does the engine really work? Well, I have no idea. Right. Well, what do you mean I have no idea? Well, I haven't run it in four or five months. Yes. Well, so go it's put like, gas and groceries on your card. Yeah. Right. And then, and then go pay it off. Okay. So like, like these are like, I think from a loan officer perspective, but also consumers, right? This is kind of a both. I thought maybe we were going to attack, let's do LOs first and consumers second. Yeah. It's kind of like, kind no, of let's just kind of, yeah. yeah, let's mesh it all together because yes. anything that we're coaching a loan officer, we're basically coaching loan officers today so they can go out and advocate on behalf of their consumers. Yes. Well, hey, consumers, if you're listening, cool. Everything that we're teaching the loan officer, let's just go ahead and teach it to you as well, yep. which are, this is what I've heard thus far. You don't need 15. No. You, three. Yeah. Three. One needs to be revolving like a credit card. Yes. One needs to be an installment. Installment debt would be something like an auto loan, student. a boat loan, a student loan, a mortgage. And P.S., if it's in deferment, it's not helping, it's not hurting. So it's just kind of neutral. So I've, I've got some people, oh, yeah, I've got all these student loans, and they're reporting. But you haven't made a payment in eight months, so it's not helping you. And it could actually hurt you because as it's adding interest to that balance, your high limit is what you started off with on an installment loan, but your balance is actually over your high limit if you've got interest being added and you're not making oh. any payments. Could it, so it could have an adverse effect. It's not going to have as, as deep of an effect as a revolving credit card that's maxed out. Um, so another thing you'll want to look at too, somebody will have, um, some collections and they're asking advice from you if it should be paid off or not. Sometimes paying off a, a collection can have their score sink and they may no longer be qualified because their, so their credit score. I want to dive deep into that, yes. but I do want to circle back. Um, I was just trying to recap in my own mind. Uh, we were talking about, you know, you don't need 15, you need three. You also 
can't have maxed out credit cards. Like that's like the worst. The, I've I've witnessed the worst thing is someone who has never ever 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 missed a payment on anything yet their credit score is like mid six hundreds, and it's like this should be mid seven hundreds. Oh no, you have seven credit cards all maxed out. Some of them may only have limits of eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. You just taught everyone listening pay all of those down to below 30%. You called it debt utilization. utilization. Yep. Yes. And I, I've learned it as uh, my debt to uh, limit ratio. Yes. yes. Right. So if, if it's a thousand dollar limit, I should never, ever, 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 ever owe more than 300 bucks. Good job. Right. Yes. Like ever. Yes. Um, 800 would be $240. Like just figure out what is 30% of whatever my limit is. Yes. Now, could someone easily call yes. and ask for their limit to be increased if they, maybe they didn't have enough money to pay them all down, maybe they had enough money to pay half of them down, and then the other half, they're like, shucks, I'm gonna have to wait until I get my income tax refund, or your tip would be. Yeah, well, do you know what happens when you call your existing um, credit card company and ask them for a No, that's line? why you're on the show. <laughs> so when you call and ask for a credit line uh, increase, they do a hard inquiry. Okay. They do a hard inquiry because you are actually applying for debt, even though you have a relationship with them. Okay. So let's say I'll pick on Capital One. Let's say I have a Capital One. Capital One can can tap in soft inquiry to my credit anytime that they want to. And they actually do quite often the relationships you already have because they want to make sure that you are paying everybody else on time or is there a storm brewing and coming their way. Okay. Ah. So soft inquiries don't hurt your credit score. And actually you as a consumer won't even know that that's there. But if you are calling them and asking for a credit line increase, it's a hard inquiry because you are asking for additional debt to be loaned to you. So if you are in the process of preparing to buy a home, you don't want a new inquiry because inquiries make up 10% of your credit score. So it could actually hurt you. Um, and then you know, you and I and new mortgage loan officers, there's a qu credit inquiry letter uh, that the underwriter wants to know, did you create new credit? And so you can say no, truthfully, because it's not new credit, it's an existing credit line, it's just a higher uh, limit available to you now. I would never use that strategy unless you are in good standing and you've had that credit card for at least two years. Okay. And preferably, I would add one more, and you have time. Maybe I'm talking to someone who's not looking to buy a home until March of next year. Brilliant. Do and it. they came to me today and they're, they have a 590 credit score. Yes. At which point, hey, we have time and we, we have to put together a game plan. Yes. But I'm glad you shared that because honestly, that would have never crossed my mind yeah. that that's a hard inquiry. And here's also why I love what you shared that is a question that comes up and it will be for every loan officer going forward. Oh, my credit inquiries. Oh, my credit inquiries. Look, credit inquiries make up what percentage of your credit score? 10%. 10%. So they matter, but really not that much. You know, when somebody uh, is crying to me like, oh, I don't want you to pull my credit. I say, this is what you've been working for. This moment right now is when it matters. And then they go, oh, okay, we'll pull it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, this is what you've been working for. Like, I, I always default like, ma'am or sir, I can't do my job without this. Right. Or like I told him, like, look, my company doesn't want to pay $62 right now to pull your credit. But if you need me to do the best job possible for you, I need that report. Yes. And that report's going to let me do everything I need to do. But I love what you said. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Yes. This is what you've been working so hard at. Yes. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So so we learned about uh, utilization of debt, having too many cards. Mm -hmm. Credit um, mix. Credit mix. Yes. And then just be cautious with paying off collections. Yes, if that's where a, you're yep, going. If it's a brand new collection, get that gone. Um, if it's a collection that's been there for a couple of years, if, if you pay it off, unless they're going to remove it, 
which they don't have to. You have to ask it and get it get them to put it in writing that they're gonna remove it. If they're not gonna remove it and they're gonna change that from an open collection to a paid, you know, closed collection, it could actually have um, a negative effect on your credit in the immediate moment. And if somebody's kind of borderline, you may no longer be qualified credit score wise. So it's a dangerous thing. And then this also goes into guidelines. So somebody who is a new MLO, read, when you, when you run the Fannie Mae um, or Freddie Mac findings, read what it says because whoa whoa christy i I need to read my aus findings mind blown again (laughs) okay i'll write that one down read aus findings okay so true story my first year i may have blown past the opportunity to read some findings (laughs) and then we've all been there Oh my goodness. Yes. Must have been in a hurry that one day, right? Um, So the underwriter comes back with our conditional approval. And one of them says that we have to pay off in full this one collection. And it was $2,600 and I didn't catch it. Now, had we paid it down to say $1,990 for this particular loan guidelines, if it was under $2,000, wouldn't have to have been touched. Wow. I think that may be a tip or trick or tactic that you've used to help someone qualify for a home loan without having to pay a collection off fully like this is and and, and I'll be honest like where I was below average as a loan officer was this Mm -hmm. I mean I probably left so many transactions on the table that I turned away or I said no to because I didn't take the time to become an expert the way that you have or like we interviewed um, a few months back this guy by the name of Casey McElroy who's a rookie loan officer who did really well And Casey, two years into his career, knows way more about collections and the handling of collections than I've ever known. And he will he'll attribute a lot of his success to be able to look at someone's credit report and maybe their bank said no. Maybe that that TV commercial that advertises incessantly about how great they are and quick they are turned them away. And he looked at it and he worked with them. And this is, I'm going to start speaking your language, which means I'm going to butcher it because it's not my language. But yeah, he would work with them and say, oh, well, that's a medical collection. If I can get a letter that removes it, mm-hmm. then I'll be able to rerun your credit. I'll get you from a 640 up to a 660. And maybe at a 660, you will qualify for that down payment assistance program. Yes. Where at 640, you didn't. So you, and, you just touched on so many things. Okay. Not only is it qualification for the loan, it's also the interest rate, which is their payment, right? And so... If, if we can get their payment inside of a certain window, we don't have to have them looking at this like dumpy little purchase price realm. They can qualify for more because their interest rate is lower. If their credit score is higher, the mortgage insurance can often have uh, a change uh, in the factor if they're going with a conventional mortgage, right? So so, so let, let me ask you this question. I know the answer, but I want you to go a certain direction with it. You take credit serious. Yes. As a top producing loan officer, you take credit serious. And your knowledge and your depth of scope when it comes to credit is is such that allows you to, A, close more transactions because maybe you're taking someone else's no and turning into a yes. yes. And it also helps you, I'm guessing, win more transactions because maybe someone else's yes was at a higher interest rate mm-hmm. and higher mortgage insurance. Your yes is at lower interest rate and lower mortgage insurance because I'm coaching them on the credit. You're yeah. coaching them on the credit. Okay. How? Not only that though. Like, yeah. So how, how do I become you? 
Well, okay, so so you're you're gonna have to draw a line in the sand though. Okay. okay. So be cautious because if you if you claim that you are this credit expert once you've learned it, you're gonna get a lot of stuff thrown your way, right? So you're gonna be like dodging and, yeah, and, <laughs> and catching and like, what do you want to work on? Yes. Right. There's and, only so many hours in the day. Correct. And you are running a for-profit entity. That's right. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. right. So so everybody that comes to you may not be your client. So so you either have to love them or leave them. And they usually let me know what they want to do. So what I mean by that is yesterday somebody came to me. Her realtor had introduced me. And I'm not her realtor's number one. And I'm okay with that. And okay. probably her realtor is number three. But the gal started off saying, I want to buy somewhere around January or February. I have credit scores in the 500s. Where do I start? And she said, over here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now I have months to establish really great rapport, build trust, earn her trust, right? And um, in the meantime, I had a conversation with her. I could tell she was taking down notes and she was intently listening to the great advice I was giving her. I've had a flip conversation where somebody says, I'm in the 500s, I want to buy a home. And then we're having the conversation and I'm being, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I follow up a month later to see how things are going. Well, I haven't really quite started or I haven't really given it another thought. And then I follow up one more time and it's the same story. I'm like, I can't want that future for you more than you want your future for you. So well this said. person's going to wind up just being stuck in his own little cesspool that he's created because he's saying he wants out, but he's oh. not actually doing this, yeah. right? So um, make sure that you don't be more invested in somebody's life and their behaviors and their decisions than they are. Um, and if it's just a <clears throat> show, hand it over to a credit repair company. Please don't let them just go to one of those big Law firms that pay to... So, so let me ask you this. Who do you, who do you refer? Well, so there's a, a, a local company that I've used in the past. Um, Harry Snedden, Scorecrafters. Yes. Love Harry. <laughs> hey, shout out to Harry Snedden, Scorecrafters, LLC. Um, Harry is busier than uh, there are days in the month. Yeah. Um, I have begged Harry. We're boys. I'm like, Harry, drive the 20 minutes it takes to get from your house to the office. I'd love to have you on. Yeah. And every time I do, he's like, well, I have expert testimony at this particular trial. Wow. Okay. So you and I both lean yes. on Harry because you and I have had the same experience when it comes to, I'm going to use air quotes here, credit repair. Yeah. Yeah, uh, shady shade, right? I mean, well, and and that's one of the conversations I have almost constantly, right? Somebody goes, "Well, my credit score on Credit Karma shows at six thirty. Why are you pulling it and it's five sixty? So it's one of those things like just because you've disputed something doesn't make it go away. It may take it out of that algorithm for the retail credit score that you're seeing over here. They've just kind of excluded it. We don't exclude it when we pull for the, the way that we pull because there are dozens of scoring models and we use the risk-based scoring model. And it's based off of the behaviors, right? So have you had a whole bunch of late payments? Um, do you have a bunch of collections? Um, all, all of these things, they, they compile where Credit Karma is like, hey, look, here's a score, and it's yeah. not even a real that, score. That's always, and we don't have time. That's the whole, like, show in itself is, yeah. like, discussing that there's not one credit score. Right. I mean, there's three repositories. Each repository has multitude of, of, of models. Yes. So you take three times that multitude, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what, 20, 30 different credit scores we all have? That's just a good nugget for people to know, whether you're a newer loan officer or you're a consumer listening in. Just yeah. know you there's— you don't have a score. Yeah, you don't have a score. Correct. <laughs> Um, but you were saying that as a professional, you have to make that decision. 
is this person going to meet yes. me in the middle? Mm -hmm. At which point I'm all in with you. Yes. I'm all in. We're girls. We're boys. We got this, yeah. right? Or are do I want it more than them? If you want it more than them, you have to be able to cut bait. You have to be able to say, you know what? I'm not a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, best of luck. Maybe if they're local, we'll try to turn them on to Harry. But I'll tell you this about Harry. He'll do the same thing we did. Like, look, you have to be able to meet me in the middle. If you're not willing to meet me in the middle, I can't help you yep. either. So then now you're on your own to find a quote-unquote credit repair when maybe it's not credit repair you need but it's more like a credit to a credit attitude adjustment I you like need it. Yes. and that's something you can only get from the person in the mirror that's not something that you can get by calling in 1-800 number based on an ad you saw and that company might not do what's in your best interest which right. is teach you they don't teach. about credit right. the way that someone like credit christie does the reason why you have your podcast you have your youtube channel is to bring education to the forefront when it comes to credit yep. now as a loan officer Give me some more ideas of like things that you have done mm -hmm. to win transactions, to win relationships, to win over realtor partners, to, to make sure that your borrower chose you over their credit union or their bank. What are some things that our listeners who are tuned in can say, yeah, I want to do that or I need to go learn more about that so I can do that. Okay. I'm going to rapid fire everything that's going through this little brain of mine. Okay? Go for it. Okay. So um, if you are already working with a buyer and there's multiple offer situations, you as the loan officer, when your realtor partner goes to make that offer, call the listing agent. Tell them that they'll hear from you every week with updates and immediately upon milestones. Tell them how great your borrower is, but be careful. You can't tell them, you know, all of the insides yes. and outs, right? Uh, but tell them something special and get permission uh, for this. Uh, one of my clients, she was a disabled veteran. She gave me permission to let them know that she's a disabled veteran. Um, so not only was I tugging on those heartstrings, but I also said to that listing agent, there's no chance of her being un unemployed. Ah. It's yeah. income. Yes. <laughs> like, Guaranteed for life. There it is. Yeah. So, so w even though she's obtaining financing, it's really not subject to, is she going to be employed next week? Because that was a really big topic for the last 12 plus months, right? By the way, did your client let you disclose your uh, credit score to, to, the, to the listing agent? Um, I, I didn't ask that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and she may not have had excellent credit. So. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. If it doesn't start with a really high seven or an eight, you may not want to disclose that. But well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We only disclose our strengths, right? That, I mean, right. yeah. <laughs> so in that particular file, it didn't make sense, but you did. But like from a credit uh, from a credit uh, standpoint, mm -hmm. what are some big wins you've had uh, because of your knowledge of credit, because of what you taught your your client? Something that someone can say, "Hey, I like where Christy went with that. I kind of yeah. don't fully understand it, but I'll, I'll go learn about it so sure. I can use it too." Sure. So somebody had called me a couple of months ago. They were working with a credit union, and sometimes credit unions can do rate-wise what banks and lenders can't do rate-wise. Um, although I would like to believe I give better service than a credit union would. I don't have banker's hours and those kinds of things. Um, if, if it is truly all about numbers on paper, that person's going to win. Mm -hmm. So when I pulled credit, uh, I think I had somewhere around like a 678 and I knew getting them over a 680 would be monumental for not only the rate, but the mortgage insurance. So I spent some time talking about where they're at and why I see that they're there. And I didn't make it just about the mortgage, although I did focus on, hey, I can get you an improved blah, blah, blah. But I, I knew I had to make it bigger than just that mortgage decision uh, right in that moment in case that interest rate on the credit union was still going to be an eighth lower or something. I needed to show them that I was invested long term 
in their financial health. And so by doing so and making it greater than just the mortgage. The other thing is, I think if you say, I am, um, you know, I, I want to I be treated as a concierge of your needs. So who else do you need? You are, are now buying a home, right? As a homeowner, there's this new level of responsibility in your life. So um, it took two of you to get financed. Perhaps you uh, consider life insurance on each other. And I'll use a personal example. I'll say, you know, my husband and I each have, we started off with 500,000 on each of us. Uh, that way it would pay off the mortgage. And if he had to lay on the couch and cry for years and years <laughs> recovering, you yes. know, from, from this detrimental loss, he wouldn't have to go and create an income for himself for the first few years while he mourns my loss. So <laughs> like we, we can laugh about something that's a little bit morbid, but y yes. you see what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's that important. So um, uh, now that you have a home, you have these additional write-offs, you really should be in alignment with um, a CPA and not counting on those online things anymore because you want an expert to be able to guide you as um, our tax laws change and as you're earning more money and you're accumulating more wealth in your life. You want a financial advisor that doesn't put all of your eggs in one basket but helps you grow your wealth, right? So we've got this, this I keep talking about wealth because real estate is one part of it. So when I start saying I'm going to align you with all of these really important people, they're going to help you grow um, you know, your, your money, your finances finances, your mindset and grow with you, they know that I'm in it for the long run with them. I'm, I'm in it for the relationship. Um, I'll, I'll tell them, you know, I want to teach you about biweekly payments and MLOs. If you don't know what that is, please learn about it. Teach it. It is significant. You can shave years off of um, yeah, typically what, six to seven years it, um, off of someone's mortgage yep. by just having them pay their their mortgage every two weeks versus once a month. Yes, because it adds one extra payment. Yes. Um, now some servicers aren't keen on biweekly. Some silly. are. Yeah. If that's the case, you know, take take your your mortgage payment, divide it by twelve, add that extra amount onto a principal reduction every month and you'll still get there the same way. Yeah, no, I like the whole extra one payment thing. This is kind of off topic, but only because it, it doesn't take away from all the rest of the things. It doesn't take away from the IRA or the 401k or the kids 529 or your six months reserve because one extra payment when you divide it over a year, you're talking $160. Like, and if you're able to pay bi-weekly, you really don't see it. Right. Um, but no, that's that's a great tip. On the people who are 678, what did they do to get their credit score over 680? What was your advice to them? Um, my number one tip, which is get an authorized user uh, on your account. So, uh, so like call mom and dad, brother, sister, yes. and have them add you to one of their credit cards. That, that, by the way, the credit card needs to be in good standing. Good standing. And the credit card needs to be good. standing. Good utilization. Yes. Right. Really it's not maxed out. Perfect. But to be added, how long until that is reflected in their credit score? as soon as it hits the credit um, report, which is when it, it's their bill cycle. So if their bill cycle is the 18th and you got added on the 12th, you should see it in So legit, weeks. I can call my dad and be like, hey dad, when's your Amex due? He's like, oh, it's due every 26th of the month. Yeah. And I can look at my watch, I'm like, okay, well today's the 13th or the 14th, so in roughly 12, 12 days, two weeks, I'm not there. closing on my home loan until the end of May. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance dad asked me to his Amex. He's yes. had this Amex since 1986. Yes. It's a $25,000 limit. He only owes five grand on it. And all of a sudden, I didn't have to do anything. Yep. Because if you paid down, I, by the way, I'm geeking out right now because my go-to would have been, oh, Christy, I need you to pay down one of these credit cards. Well, what if you paying down a credit card prevents you from- I need that money for yeah, the down payment. Yeah, down payment <laughs> and closing cost. Yeah, so authorized users, your go-to, pay down. Or maybe there's a collection that 
if you can get it removed. Removed. Not paid. Yeah. Not, this is what Casey McElroy taught me, like here at the branch level. He's like, Dio, just getting it paid off doesn't help. I actually work with my clients on getting things removed, typically medical collections. Somehow, Casey has figured out FHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and how they view medical collections, because each views it differently. And and he knows, well, if I can get that medical collection totally removed, yes. that that person's credit scores are going to go up, and two things are going to happen. Either A, they're going to go from not qualifying to qualifying. How about three things? Or B, they're going to go from qualifying but at a higher rate and now I can help get a lower rate mm -hmm. or C I wasn't winning the transaction when I went up against their against their, their credit union but because I taught them this and because the credit union is trying to use their 670 I'm going to use their 720 yes. now I'm actually like I'm playing a, a, a game of war where I'm using grenades and rockets and they're using pistols yes and I'm using my grenades and my rockets to get a 720. Now I'm going to blow them out of the water when maybe when, when I played a game of my pistol versus their pistol, I wasn't winning. Right. I had to go create a cache of, of grenades and rockets. Yes. I did so by understanding credit and really understanding Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA guidelines as it pertains to collections. Mm -hmm. yes. And in Casey McElroy's medical collections. Yes. This and is what's crazy is like the algorithms for the credit reporting bureaus, they don't treat medical different than they do uh, just a mismanagement of funds. Like you Which just is do, terrible. It's terrible. But but to to this point that you're saying there, medical can be removed where a um, you know a collection for Capital One can't and won't. But yeah, you go that extra mile for, for that client and really show them that you're not in it just for this transaction. You're in it for the relationship. Um, it's, it's a game changer. Okay, so um, I, Dustin Owen, and our listeners of the Loan Officer Podcast, we need a crash course in credit. Where do we go? Well, I would start with the podcast because there's six Yours. to ten minutes. My podcast. That's awesome. There's okay. six to ten minutes long. I love so it. You can knock it out, you know, when you're brushing your teeth and yeah. putting on your shoes. On YouTube, morning. on Apple, uh, where there, it's on all uh, podcast platforms. Okay, uh, and so it's Credit Christy. Credit Coaching by Christy. Credit Coaching by. See, I'm glad I prep. Yeah. Credit, credit Coaching, coaching by, by Christy with a K. Yes, it's Christy with a K. Yes, it'll be John Coleman will have the the graphics up. So, and we'll, this time we're going to do the full service and risky. It's going to be no whisk. See, I screwed it up again. That's why I always go with credit Christie or credit uh, Christie service because I can pronounce that. Uh, you know what's so fun though? The first part of my maiden name and the first part of my married name is serve now. How about that? Boom. I'm just going to rename you Christie serve now. <laughs> Christy Servant. No, this has been fantastic. Like this I, this has been a lot of fun. I love you. I love you as a guest. I love you as a person. Thank I'm you, so Ditto. grateful that our paths crossed a year ago. And we're able to do stuff like this. Um, if people need to get a hold of you, mm -hmm. I know we just threw out the podcast, but what 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 are the better forums to connect with you or reach you? Yeah, um, questions at creditchristy.com is uh, is my email and. Um, I would love it if you considered subscribing to my YouTube channel, uh, to my podcast. I really just feel like I'm charged with providing some content and uh, information that not everybody knows. Here's, can I leave you with a really crazy thing that could be happening? Yeah. This year? Yes. So it was announced in November, CFPB okay. is uh, finally making changes to rules from like decades ago to get oh the cfpb is, is the consumer finance protection, protection bureau. bureau yeah um finally like updating their old school regulations and they are allowing they will be allowing collection agencies to contact you through social media what? so they can dm you 
Um, they're not allowed to defraud you. So they're not allowed to, you know, uh, go in and make a friend request and then say, hey, you. Okay. Yeah. But here's, here's this like crazy, crazy thought. If you have a common name, they don't have to prove that you are the person that is indebted to that collection. So you could be, you could wind up getting harassed by collection agencies soon through um, uh, it's unlimited text messages. It's seven phone calls a week, unless they've spoken to you. Once they've spoken to you, they have to wait for seven full days before they can call you again. Um, but they can they can message you through all of those platforms. So get ready for collection agents to like send you a Snapchatter. Well, <laughs> this Instagram right here is comment. every reason to always pay your bills on time. <laughs> a, because you get great credit, and if you have great credit, then you win. Yes, and then you uh, don't get harassed. And you don't get harassed on social media. Someone's <laughs> on my TikTok feed doing a dance. Let me know you pay me money. You owe me money. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Can you imagine that on TikTok? They'd be like absolutely asinine. Oh, but, my gosh. Um, no, you know, it's, it, I can't wait to have you back. Do you have one of these episodes on your YouTube channel where you talk about how someone who has uh, weak credit or thin credit, we call mm-hmm. it, how they can utilize rent history to get it reported on their do you teach that? Yes. So, is there a video on that? Um, I'm pretty sure there is. I know I did one that was um, how to build a credit history without taking on debt. Okay. Um, so part of that was like rentler.com and um, Experian Boost where they'll allow you to put your utility payments, right? And it shows up as, as an installment loan and, and then we don't have to hold that against you on your debt to income ratio. Um, also authorized user uh, accounts. And then um, some banks will have a credit builder account where it shows up as an installment loan, but you're actually just feeding from this checking account over to this uh, savings account and it becomes a, a CD, a certificate of deposit at the end. So it's reporting as an installment loan payment, but it's just simply uh, boosting yeah, and these are all tips, ticks, tips, tricks, and tactics that I can pick up just by l- tuning into your podcast, yeah. going on your YouTube video yes. or your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned the thing about rent because I just saw like a headline that there's a lady in our industry who's like really dominating that space where either she uses or she owns this company where they are taking people's rental history and turning it into an actual trade line. Yes on their credit, which would be huge for someone who, with, who, within credit. Credit. Yeah. Yes. This is fantastic. Yeah. All right. She's cr- Credit Christy. I'm Dio. This is the Loan Officer Podcast. This is all the time we have for today, but please check her out on all of her social. Thank check you. us out on all of our social. Yes. Share us, like us, comment. Let us know what you want to hear more of. We'll continue pushing out the content as long as you continue to consume it, share it, and let everyone you know know about it. Stay, stay tuned, tune in, Proster, but we're out of here. Peace.